0: Hi. I'm Randy and I'm Claire and you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. So we're talking about
1: Jack the Ripper. Welcome to part 3. Um so we kind of left off talking about a lot of stuff. We showed Randy the famous gruesome photograph, which was just so fun. Um <laughs> But now we're going to go into the five canonical murders. So we'll just dive right into those. Um, So the first confirmed murder was on August 31st, 1888. The body of Mary Nichols was found at 340 a.m. in Bucks Row, which is now Durward Street in London. Um, Her body was laying near the door to a garage and was just sort of out in the open. And as I had mentioned before, the streets were really poorly lit, so that's kind of... It wouldn't have been really super noticeable. And it's at 3 in the morning. So... The first guy who saw her on the street is named Charles Cross, and he originally thought that her body was a sack of clothing, but upon further inspection, he saw that it definitely wasn't a sack of clothing, and um, he noticed that her throat had been cut so deep that her head was almost completely severed from her body. No. Yeah, that's really gross. And he pulls this guy, other guy from the street named Robert Paul, and they see what's going on and they're like, okay, we have to leave it here because this is 1888 and we don't have a cell phone. And the first policeman that we see, we're going to bring them back to the site. Luckily, however, um, a police constable, I'm going to call them PCs, because that's what they're called in, in England, um, so this PC named John Neal would actually stumble upon the body, and the investigation would continue. They called a medical examiner named Dr. Llewellyn, and he confirmed that Mary was dead and all these things, probably mostly because like her head was not attached to her body anymore. <laughs> probably a <laughs> um, good indicator. Yeah, like I say that's pretty solid. Um, pretty pretty accurate estimation. Um, so crime scenes were cleared away really, really quickly in the 1800s because they didn't have the forensic testing that we have now. So those large pools of blood in the street would only just attract large crowds. There was no purpose of keeping the blood there or keeping the body on the scene until it could be photographed. So, they just took the body to the morgue and cleaned out the street in less than 20 minutes. Wow. And this happened with a lot of the murders, unfortunately. But again, you couldn't really expect much from the police officers because they weren't looking for that sort of evidence. So at the morgue, Dr. Llewellyn says that Mary died about a half hour before Charles and that other guy, Robert, saw her because her legs were still warm, even though her exposed limbs were cold. So this type of death testing um, is used by checking body temperature, and it's really inaccurate because obviously, like, it could be a warm day. Yeah. Or whatever. So it wouldn't really matter what the body temperature was because it can shift and change and as bodies decompose they actually become warmer because all the gases are anyway, it does not really Okay. So it's inaccurate is what I'm saying.
0: Um this body feels like it's been dead mm. for Let me consult um five days. (laughs) Yes. Um, I no, like the um. five in there. hours. Mm,
1: um, five days. <laughs> that's my best. I'm sensing estimate. the number five. Yeah. Too bad they didn't have any like entomologists to be like, "Ooh, look at these bugs <laughs> on the body," because that's how they do it now. Um, but yeah. So, also in Doctor Llewellyn's report, after he had removed all of her clothing, Mary had been extremely brutalized, like totally mutilated. It was really horrible. So here's a short excerpt from the postmortem that Dr. Llewellyn submitted to the police. The abdomen had been cut open from the center of the bottom of the ribs along right side under pelvis to left of stomach where the wound was jagged. The optimum or coating of the stomach was also cut in several places and two small stabs in private parts All apparently done with a strong bladed knife, supposed to have been done by some left-handed person, death being almost instantaneous. So, she was ripped open, basically. By the ripper? You could say that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Mary was a sex worker, and she had been separated from her husband before she had become a sex worker. She did have three children. She had a really heavy drinking problem. She used to sleep rough in Trafalgar Square, just meaning sleeping outside often, and the night before, she had been out drinking on Bucks Row with a friend, and, you know, it just, it was just a bad situation overall, and unfortunately, these women were not well taken care of, like, nobody cared about them, and it sucks, so... Um, about nine days later, on September 8th, John Davis, who lived on Hanbury Street, found the body of Annie Chapman in his backyard, which that would be such a wonderful surprise <laughs> to find a dead body in your backyard. I don't have a backyard, so I have nothing to worry about. Um, Annie had a very similar story to Mary. Um, she had also been married and had some kids. After her first daughter died, she and her husband kind of went out and drank a lot to sort of drown their sorrows. Um, she was a sex worker and had separated from her husband. So again, we see this repeat story from what Mary had experienced. And she, however, Annie, um, was sleeping mainly with this guy named Ted Stanley or the pensioner, um, which was a name given to him by the police before they knew he, who he was. So the last person to see Annie alive was one of the Doss house workers who kicked her out around, 1.30 a.m. on September 8th because she had been eating food in the kitchen and she wasn't supposed to be doing that. So at the she's time- hungry. Yeah, exactly. This poor woman. <sighs> it's like Jean Valjean stealing some bread. Do you know what I'm talking about? I just want them to be happy. I know. Me too. And not it, get murdered. It really sucks. There's a lot of people in this city. Okay. So... At the crime scene, police found a leather apron. And this is important because there is a significant amount of racial prejudice towards the Jewish community in this case. So newspapers reported on Annie's murder and called the perpetrator a leather apron relating to the piece of clothing that was found at the crime scene. Um, This name, this moniker, had already been associated with someone who was walking around Whitechapel and sort of being really, really creepy to women. Um, would confront them and take all of their money. And most of them described him as a Jewish man, you know, the stereotypical Jewish person. And whatever just popped into your head, I guess that's your problem, not mine. So, yeah, so it would be the, a person wearing a leather apron and they would go around stealing people's money. So he really scared people. And immediately after that piece of clothing was found, the two cases were connected. But there aren't any real connections between the two. Um, People just needed something to grab onto because they couldn't figure out what was happening in Whitechapel. So Annie's throat had also been slit, but her intestines had been torn out of her body and her womb was missing. So her uterus and her vagina were completely gone from the crime scene, which makes me just, again, insinuate that these crimes were very much related to the fact that these women were sex workers and that their bodies were... Part of their job and their sexual organs were completely removed. So it's
0: a sex crime, is basically what it was. In the, in Whitechapel, in, in Whitechapel, sex
1: sexually crime. based
0: offenses are considered especially heinous. Especially heinous. <laughs> These are their stories. Dun dun. <laughs> but yeah,
1: so that's what was happening. So... <laughs> We've got this leather apron guy, and the police end up questioning a man named John Pizer, and he was, again, a member of the Jewish community. He worked as a shoemaker, so he wore leather aprons because it's his freaking job. And they questioned him, but he provided pretty solid alibis for both the murder of Annie Chapman and Mary Nichols. Um,
0: Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Back to the apron thing. They yeah. They literally just called, like, thought that the killer was Jewish, so they named him the Leather Apron? Well, no. So um, there had already been a
1: perpetrator called the Leather Apron in Whitechapel. Right. And they immediately
0: connected the two crimes because they found a Leather Apron no, at yes. the scene. But they, this person... They called him the Leather Apron because they thought he was Jewish? They called him the Leather Apron because he wore a Leather Apron. Okay, then why, where does the, I'm sorry, Where's the Jewish part come so in? So the
1: Jewish part comes in with the drawings that the newspapers would release. I was because just about to talk to them. Because
0: his name was the Leather Apron. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Rude. Yes. Okay, Yeah, on.
1: exactly. So they were basically looking around for a Jewish perpetrator the entire time. Like They weren't looking at anyone else. That was their main focus. And the leather apron was associated of, with someone who was Of course, only Jewish. a Jewish person can yeah. wear an apron. I know. I'm like, this is really racist. Okay. Um, and yeah. now you now there's going to be a killer
0: out there because you're yeah. being
1: anti-Semitic. Exactly. It's pretty horrible. So on September 24th, 1888, after the inquest into Annie Chapman's death, um, a letter showed up. For Sir Charles Warren, who was the police commissioner at the time, the letter would state that the killer wanted to give himself up and was not ready to kill anyone else because he only wanted to kill Annie Chapman. So his crimes were over. Obviously a false letter because we have three more victims coming. So um, the police didn't take this letter very seriously because they thought it was a hoax, of course. Um, and then in the letter, there was a drawing of like a knife and a coffin and whatever. So it was just... Someone trying to insert themselves into the investigation. But this was the first letter, and the second letter would be a little bit more famous. Mm. So for those of you who know about the Jack the Ripper crime, you know about the Dear Boss letter. And this was sent on September 27th, 1888, which is conveniently like my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) But in 1996. Um, So it was sent to the Central News Agency, and it had been dated September 25th. And the letter is really short and really famous, so I'm going to read it out to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. The joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I'm down on whores and shan't quit ripping till shan't quit ripping them till I get buckled. Grand work, the last job was, I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send to the police officers Just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. So... He writes in text message code, which is I think is funny. Ha ha. Ha ha. He LOL. Li- it's literally ha ha LOL. Um, and this letter is just important because it would give us the moniker Jack the Ripper. There's a lot of speculation whether or not this letter is legit or not. I would assume that it's actually not. A lot of fingers were pointing towards journalists having written the letter. But... This letter wouldn't be published until after September 30th, 1888, which is also the night of the double event. There are two murders, and so there's a, it's a double <laughs> the event. The double
0: homicide. The, du- the double homicide, but it's called the double. The event. double feature.
1: It's a double feature picture <laughs> show. <laughs> double feature. <laughs> we, we're on the same page. Okay. <laughs> So on September 30th, 1888, the body of Elizabeth Stride was found on Burner Street by a few people who at first thought she was drunk, but on closer speculation, a woman saw blood near the body and screamed out. Um she was the only victim out of the canonical 5 who wasn't mutilated. She had been strangled and her throat had been cut, but I th- believe that you know, there was there were a lot of people out that night and they noticed her almost immediately. And the killer got away. Plus, we have an eyewitness to this murder, and we'll get to him in a minute. But about a quarter of a mile away on Milter Street, a couple found the body of Catherine Edows. Catherine had been the most brutal murder to date. Like I said before, Mary Kelly was his last victim, so we don't have her terrible murder yet. Um, So for Catherine, her organs had been thrown over her shoulder and her face had been carved into into tiny little triangles on her cheeks. Her left kidney had been taken from her body and appeared that she had Bright's disease, which causes the kidneys to have a really distinct color. I'm not just saying that because I know it. I'm saying it because it's it will come in later. Um, so Elizabeth Stride had been seen that night and into the early morning on the 30th in the company of a man. Three different statements came forth with all very, with a whole bunch of varying descriptions. Um, one couple may have seen her with a guy, but they couldn't say for sure that it was Elizabeth. Another guy saw her with a shorter guy with a dark mustache and a rounded hat. Another person saw her with a guy in a deer catcher's hat, which looks like a Sherlock Holmes detective hat. With the flaps. You know what I'm saying? I do. Okay. So, varying descriptions, but everyone saw her with a guy, and he at least had a dark coat on, and he at least had some sort of a hat and darker features. So, Elizabeth was Swedish and was reportedly a really educated person. She had been married and even owned a coffee shop at one point. The relationship was really broken, though, and she had accused him of abuse, but like usual, because she's a woman, she was not validated in that, and she eventually just had to leave, and... She wasn't a sex worker, but she did work in domestic service, which is just like a a step above sex work. Um, And she also reportedly was a drunk. So if you can't start figuring out the pattern here, there's a pattern with all of these women. Um, A man named Israel Schwarz may have actually seen her murder. So this is that eyewitness that I had told you about. So he saw a man push Elizabeth on the ground and then heard her scream three times. Israel thought it was a domestic fight and moved across the street. He would also hear a man say the word Lipsky to another guy who is now on the same side of the street that Israel was on since he had crossed over. Israel passed the second guy and as the person who pushed the woman called out Lipsky, the second guy started to follow Israel. He freaked out and just ran away from the scene. There are a lot of speculation about the word Lipsky, including that it means the word ejaculation, um, for some reason, and <laughs> just, yeah, just it, proclaiming it, it loudly. Like, <laughs> just like, I'm not even gonna, yeah. Um, I don't know why you would do that, um, but some people think Lipsky meant that, and he was planning on having sex with Elizabeth. So there's a lot of speculation. Um, some say that the second guy was named Lipsky or something, but the police at the time ruled out the second guy pretty quickly, stating that they were just looking for one man who, who physically attacked Elizabeth. So I'm not really hung up on the Lipsky thing. I, that could be legit or not. So, Catherine Eddowes was found by P.C. Watkins. She was found about 45 minutes after the body of Elizabeth Stride had been found. And like I had mentioned before, I think the reason that Elizabeth was not as brutally murdered as Catherine was because he had to make quick work of it, if you will, and... Um, so someone had seen him getting physical with Elizabeth and now for some reason, since he didn't get a finish what he started with Elizabeth, he had to go off and kill someone else because this would be the only double double murder that we see with Jack the Ripper. Um so it's kind of a break in pattern, but it sort of makes sense, I would say. Right. In addition to that, it also means that the killer was still nearby the area, so police started to look for signs of him anywhere, and on Goulston Street, another PC found a bloody apron in a doorway. The apron belonged to Catherine, and it was covered in a whole bunch of blood and was probably from Jack wiping his hands and knife off rather quickly since the body was discovered so soon after he had been there. So... This also probably means that his clothing was a dark clothing, because obviously after you like rip into someone, you're going to have some blood on you, and he probably was wearing dark clothes, and it was night, night outside, so um, nobody really saw the blood everywhere, um, so the only things that would have been bloodstained would be his hands and his weapon. In addition to that, once you cut someone's throat and you kill them, blood doesn't flow anymore, so you don't get spurts. Sorry, I know that's kind of gross, but... Wait, what? um, Say that again? So, like, he wouldn't have had a ton of blood on his clothing because... And this was, like, one of my first questions after I had heard that he had left these scenes so quickly. I was like, why didn't someone see a guy covered in blood walking around? But he was effective in the way that he would murder people. He would go up behind them and slit their throats. And after you have died, after you're deceased, and your blood... Is has stopped flowing, um, there's no blood splatter that would occur. So if he was ripping into people, there wouldn't have been blood all over his clothes. Does that make sense? It would just be on his hands and on
0: his knife. Yeah, but I mean, just for like how, I mean, he literally ripped their entire bodies open. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean blood's coming out of them. Right. So it is still surprising that he didn't have blood everywhere considering how much he literally did. ripped them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that
1: also can insinuate that he was probably wearing dark clothes. So if he did have any blood, you wouldn't have been able to see it because it's really dark in the streets cuz they aren't putting any street lights on the streets. So yeah. Um and above this lovely blood-stained apron that we have was a graffitied message that was written in chalk on the wall that said the jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing and the word jews is spelled j u w e s um i don't really know what that means <laughs> exactly it's again it's another racist thing on um, written on the wall a lot of people said that the message had been written several days ago. It looked kind of faded. And they tried to take a picture of it. But unfortunately, um, the police captain who was on the scene didn't want people to wake up and see the racist message and immediately connect it back to um, the murders that were happening. So he erased it from the wall. So we unfortunately don't have a picture of it. And they were planning to take an actual picture of the graffiti but that didn't end up happening. What's your
0: opinion on that? What is your opinion on the
1: destruction of something like that?
0: I just don't think that investigative policies were anywhere near where they are today, so I don't think that there would be really any implications of that. I don't really know how helpful it would have been anyways, so I mean, I'm not really here nor there. I guess if you own a business and you're like trying to not make people think you have a, like you're racist or that you support that that I can see why you would immediately want to take that down. But I don't know. I mean, I, is it really helpful anyways? Yeah. Not see, really, yeah. So.
1: it's it's not really super relevant because it doesn't give much away necessarily. Um, the one thing that we do have is that Jews are spelled incorrectly. And as we know, as the modern Women that we are, and that we know that
0: um, <laughs> the modern, the modern women, women that we are. Well, you know what
1: I'm saying. Like we understand that serial killers sometimes write
0: letters incorrectly.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I I tried to be like we're modern murder experts, but we're not experts, and so I just said the we're modern, modern women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I love it. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not experts, but we do talk about it in the Zodiac case, the fact that serial killers sometimes have a weird tendency to spell things incorrectly, and it's not based off of their ability to actually spell or their intelligence level. It's just like a weird quirk almost.
0: It is a... It, it does have to do with a mental disability that some... that it, I mean, I don't know if it's like a serial killer thing or if it's just like we only see it, like we only talk about it in relation to serial killer sure. cases. So yeah, that
1: was the only really poignant thing about the the piece of graffiti. Um, So if you can remember back to the Dear Boss letters that were sent three days before the police started to take them a little bit more seriously, and they actually printed the letter with the Central News, which was a terrible idea because we get an influx of fake letters, and each one had to be read by the police officers. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. This is the Added Zodiac case. the list case. of suspects. Precisely. Jack the Ripper is the Zodiac. <laughs> is the Zodiac killer. Okay. Well, with that, and we have the printing of this letter um, on October 1st, 1888, we're going to close out part three, and then we'll start part four and talk about some more Jack the Ripper stuff. So, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.